sugar, going to bed early, not drinking. And then everybody would sign the, the whiteboard for the contract. And I refused to sign them. And there were teammates that were like literally in tears because I was like, I know I'm going to go out and still party. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sign this because I might go out, you know? So I I didn't sign it. People were upset. They were pissed off at me. And then I go to the bar that night and I see half my team that signed it. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of What Makes You Think, the show that flips the traditional interview format, showing you a unique and often funny side to some of your favorite figures in sports and entertainment. But don't worry, we get to some real stuff too. I'm your host, Nicole Langevin, and today I am joined by an icon in gymnastics. She's a member of the 2004 Olympic silver medal winning team. She's an NCAA champion, a world team member, a creator of one of the coolest bar skills ever. Most importantly, though, she gave us a glimpse into the future of what gymnastics can and has become, a place for athletes of all ages. I introduce to you Mohini Bahardwaj. Mohini, thank you so much for joining me. I hope this is fun for you. Uh, you expressed that you're a little bit nervous, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What, what made you that. nervous? Um, I, I think just listening to like some of the other podcasts that you did, and they're just it's just a little bit different. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think it's a lot of bit different, but we'll see. I'm yeah. not going to make you sing, so don't worry about that. And I'm not interviewing Perfect. you for a fake job. So, okay, you can, you can, <laughs> you can take that off your shoulders. But I don't think I would, I would like be good at interviewing for any job except for something that involves coaching or gymnastics. So, well, yeah, you, you'd be surprised what comes out though, when you're put on the spot, but we're not going to do it. What I wanted to do was a little round of rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, none of them have to do with gymnastics. Okay. And we're just going to go real quick, and then we can go back if there's anything that you want to elaborate on. Uh, If you want to say pass, you can say pass. Like, if you don't have an answer in a couple seconds, just say pass. Ready? Do you need to, like, stretch or anything? Are you good? No, I I think I'm okay. (laughs) Well, knowing you, you actually don't really need to warm up uh, before you do a big performance. So we'll we'll talk about that later, though. (laughs) All right, here we go. Documentary or rom-com? Documentary. When it comes to doing pull-ups, quality or quantity? Uh, quality. Funniest person in the world? Um, pass. <laughs> that should be an easy one, too. <laughs> All right. Favorite Baywatch actor? Uh, I'm, I've got to say Pamela Anderson. I mean, she, she sponsored me for the Olympics, so that's sure an do. easy one. <laughs> What's worse, being grounded or rolling the field? Rolling the field. (laughs) What's the difference between Michelle Branch and Vanessa Carlton? Uh, No clue. They're both singers, aren't they? Yeah, and they look exactly the same, and they sing, I don't know. One of them is like, make my way downtown. And then, I don't know. I I don't know. All right. um, Why do people rub their thumb and their fingers together when they're describing food, something you eat? Um, I don't know. I'm Indian and you use your hands. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> uh, true crime or comedy? Uh, true crime. Nice. 
That was the right answer. Classic rock or country? Classic rock. Hip hop or rap rock? Hip hop. Why do meals always come with shrimp tails still on the shrimp, even if it's in pasta or soup? I have no idea because I don't eat meat <clears throat> at all. And I absolutely, shrimp is the one thing that I absolutely can't do. Oh, yes. No, no meat and shrimp is literally the one thing I will not do. Like my, my husband will cook stuff and he'll, and I'll, and I'll taste some of the meat, but when it comes to shrimp, no way. Does he keep the tail? It tastes on? like hair. <laughs> it tastes uh, like hair. I, I, I don't know. They, yeah, they taste like hair <laughs> and no, no tails. <laughs> so this question, like it started Justin spring and he goes uh-huh. on a freaking tangent. Like I edited it and it's still like two solid minutes of just trying to discover the shrimp tail issue and then solve it by incentivizing the restaurant industry by creating a subcategory of which we can then create a product out of the discarded shrimp tails to then incentive. I mean, it was like on another level. So yeah, I say say no shrimp, get rid of the shrimp. They're nasty. Just don't order shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you listen, you'll hear a, yeah, you'll hear a lot of, of <laughs> thoughts on that. So I want to go back to a couple of things here. Thoughts on why I would have asked you about pull-ups quality or quantity. Um, no, maybe because I did CrossFit for a bit. Yeah. 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 I'm curious. Was that a hard transition to, to ignore form or was it kind of fun too? Um, I, I think when you're focusing on getting like numbers in, that's, it, it's kind of a different, different deal, you know, but whenever it comes to anything, um, athletic wise, I'm always, you know, quality over quantity. So you probably still did them with straight legs and pointed toes. I, I tried, but it, it just, it, it really just depended on what, what the situation was, Yeah, you know, like if, if it was just a CrossFit practice, then. I'd, I'd always do them with quality, but if it was something I'm be, I was being tested on, then I I would just throw it all out the door. Oh. But yes, it was it was definitely hard to to give up like the quality of pull ups and and push ups and pretty much like even even leg lifts that they call toes to bar and doing them nicely. Yeah, yeah that, that's a hard thing to let go of once you're like such a perfectionist and oh, yeah. you're taught to do everything with the right form. Absolutely, I was um, I was in a breakdance crew in early 2000s and I could like do all the tricks like because it was basically like you know versions of gymnastic stuff but then we did a battle and I went to flip and the first thing I did was this to prep <laughs> and they're like what the fuck are you doing like you can't like I don't know how to not do that I don't know how to not prep my body in the right position before doing something. It's so hard to just to, to snap yourself out of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I dabbled in trying to do stunt doubling for a little bit mm-hmm. and we were trying to jump off the the building of the gym onto a resi pit and I could not make it look like I was falling. It, it was yep. the same thing. It was like pointed toes, making it all pretty. <laughs> and you're like, I know exactly where I am in the air. So what's, yeah. <laughs> what's the problem? some of them were very random. Like the John Cusack one was random. The food thing was random. Michelle Branch was random. Uh, what was not random was Baywatch. And I, I love yeah. that you 
<laughs> You're like, well, obviously. <laughs> I figured that one. Yeah. So where where did that come from? How did that happen? Um. So I was – so when I was training for the Olympics, I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have – well, I worked at a bar for a period of time, and I delivered pizzas. Um, <clears throat> and it got to the point with my training where I just couldn't do that anymore. And so I was paying for my coaches to go to meets and I was racking up credit card bills and all kinds of stuff like that. And so, um, I, at the time I was training at UCLA and then I was also training at all Olympia. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, championships is obviously expensive. Um, and so the gym decided to help me out and do a 50, 50 raffle And it turned out that um, Pamela Anderson's financial advisor's daughter (laughs) um, was was training at the gym. And he just basically brought it to to Pamela and asked if she wanted to donate. Um, And she was she was interested. Um, So she actually ended up coming into the gym and watching my practice. Um, And. It, it was, it was super fun. I felt like at the time we kind of had some stuff in, in, in common. I mean, we were both vegetarian. We both had some tattoos, you know, um, I think she felt she was, she's a very empowering, you know, self-sufficient woman. And I think she kind of felt that way ab- about me. Um, so she watched the first event and she's like, I think I can donate about 10 grand, you know, and then she watched the second event and, um, she's like, Oh, I'll go up to 20, you know? And by the time we were done with the whole rotation, she's like, Oh, I'll give you 40. Um, and then wow. when I actually made, made Olympic trials, um, she ended up auctioning off a car. Um, I'm not sure what type of car. Um, <clears throat> but she basically paid for all of my training expenses. I was able to get out of debt. I was able to pay my coaches. Um, and then on top of it, I was able to pay for my, my dad to go to the Olympics. Um, wow. so very, very thankful, but I have no contact with her. Everybody always asks me like, do you still talk to her? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I think she's probably too busy for me anyways. Um, but, but it was, it was very kind and, um, I'm still very thankful to this day. And she was at trials, wasn't she? Our champion? Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah. I was there too. And I remember I was like trying to find her. But man, so I lived in Los Angeles for a long time and I don't know if you, I mean, we bumped into each other a few times at meets when you were coaching, you were coaching at Jim Jam. I was coaching at Golden State, Uh but we, you know, we haven't really met, met, but I will say that that's, that's one of the things about LA. I mean, you just, you never know whose financial advisor's daughter is going to be in the same room. (laughs) I'm so glad that happened. That's so cool. What was the other one? Oh, rolling the field. So... (laughs) So I interviewed Ms. Val the other day, like I told you, and mm-hmm. she told me a little bit of a, a story about rolling the field. I'm like, I have never in my life heard of such a thing. Had you ever heard that? That was unique to that school, right? She got it from well, her, a football coach or something. Yeah, it was, it was her policy. If you got in trouble <clears throat> and, and I had to do it a couple of times. Um, <laughs> if you, if you got in trouble, you would have to condition with the football coach in pretty much in front of the football team um, at 6 a.m. And he would just kill you, you know, he would, he would take, well, he'd do all the football drills that you're obviously like for gymnastics, you're not used to crawling around and on all fours going left, right, forward, back. 
<clears throat> you know, say, conditioning wise, that shouldn't have been a problem for a gymnast. Like you could probably kick their ass as far as like body weight conditioning, but I see what you're oh, saying. It was, it was running. It was cardio. It was <clears throat> literally he'd blow the whistle and you'd have to get on your stomach and then he'd blow the whistle again and you'd get up and he would take a ball and he would throw the ball across the field and he would be like, you're treating the athletic department like a bitch. So go fetch the ball like a dog. So <clears throat> he doesn't work wow. at UCLA anymore, but he, he really like tortured us. And you would, you would leave and you would be dying, like almost puking, covered in grass, you know, sniveling. And then we had an 8 a.m. class. So he, he was like, I'm going to be at your class when this is over. You better show up. And I showed up late and he was standing at the door and I was just like, because if I showed up late, then he, he was going to make me run again the next day. And I just saw him and I was like in tears. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I had to walk all the way. I was a freshman. So I had to walk all the way up to the dorms and then my class was on the other side of the, um, the facility. So, and you're little, yeah, I just happened to be you? like, you're little for so a long time to walk. <laughs> a football player, come on. Wow. And then the rolling the field was literally log rolling across the field. Yeah. <clears throat> it, 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 he just made, he made it terrible. It was pretty much log rolling across the field, getting up, getting down, you know, face in the dirt, crawling on all fours. And then mind you, a lot of this stuff was done while the whole entire football team was on the field. So there was the embarrassing factor as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Okay. You survived. You're here. Yeah. All right. So we're not rapid firing anymore. I do, but I do just have a couple of random questions for you. So, you know, you, your gymnastics career was in two segments, basically. I actually was at the gym that hosted the friendship challenge, which was one of your, one of your first meets back when you were making your comeback and you were competing for AOGC at the time. I don't know if they still go by that, but, and Chris was your coach. And one of the things I loved, 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 because at that time it was really weird for somebody over 20 for an adult even mm -hmm. to, to be doing gymnastics. And what I loved was you did that competition. You were clearly doing it, not because you needed to win the friendship challenge, but because you were trying to get, get out there, get your routines together, figure out your composition and get feedback from the judges. And I just remember you going around to the judges after the meet and talking to them about your routines. Chris was with you, but it was like, it, I mean, it sounds so simple, but I had never seen that before. And it was so cool. Yeah. Is that, is that a testament to you? Is that a testament to Chris? Is that, is that why you guys work together? Is that he kind of I don't know. Not, I shouldn't say let you because you were in your 20s. I think Chris definitely brought a lot of that stuff out um, in me. And I mean, it was I, my relationship with, with him was was very rewarding. It was something I never had when when I was younger. So he very much involved me in um, in every aspect of my training, like number of routines, you know, figuring out how to how to structure routines. Um, he very much empowered me to to talk to the judges. Um, I, I, I did a little bit of that in college where I would go up to the judges and talk. Um, but it was, it was very much a working relationship, very different than what I had when I was um, in high school or when I, when I was younger, 
you know, and it was actually, it, w- it was really nice because as, as a young athlete, you grow up, um, you know, thinking these judges in the blue suit are, you know, you can't talk to them. You're afraid of them. They're like, you know, they're, you, mm-hmm. you just stay away from them. Um, and then as you get older, you realize that they're actually real people. They're there to help you. They want to help you. Um, and, um, I, I, I think just all, all of that was, um, very beneficial to learn, but as a young athlete, you don't necessarily know that, like you, you feel like you can't talk to them. Mm -hmm. So I might need to hire you for a promo because one of my businesses is my gym judge, which I co-own with Chelsea memo. Oh, okay. We break that wall. Like you yeah, doing this for a while, but yeah, you submit videos, we get feedback, we do in-gym clinics, virtual beats, all that stuff, basically to, to do just that, to, to Mm -hmm. get athletes and coaches, but especially athletes to understand that we're doing this because we love gymnastics. And when we see great gymnastics, we're so happy for that athlete that was able to do that. And for me, like every time a kid stands there and waits for me to salute, I think to myself, maybe this is the big one. I hope this is the big one. I hope, I hope she hits. I hope I can get that, you know, big score out there. I'm not sitting there going, all right, I'm going to get her. You know, if, if we hated gymnastics, wanted them to fall, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And I, and I, I think as a young athlete, that's kind of what you think, um, about, about the judges. That's why I started my gym judge. Cause I'm like, I want to be able to explain to you why you got an eight, four and how that very easily could have been a nine, two, but I can't. Mm -hmm. Because I have to keep the meat moving. Like it's up to us yeah. to keep the meat moving. If we stop and talk to somebody, then we got it, then it's gonna hold up. And then that perpetuates into the meat running late. And then it perpetuates into awards, which goes into the parking lot, which means those parents are still there. So the parents for the next session can't come in. Like that's the that's the pressure that yeah. like I, I would sit there for six hours just so I could explain to everybody their score, but we're really not allowed to. In California, I felt as though as a coach was able to go right up to the table and they were very open about giving information. And I think that's part of what makes that state very good at gymnastics. I just wonder if there's something to that, you know, being able to have that, that relationship there where we're all working together to get the kids as good as possible. It shouldn't be a secret. So, yeah. So you were with Chris at all Olympia. Was that you going with Chris? Was that going, you going to a club that you knew was successful at the time? Where did that choice come from? Um, it was really just all about Chris. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, we're going to go into videos. Okay. Are you ready? This episode is brought to you by Creatively Disruptive, the marketing team behind your team. They can help you strategize and execute marketing campaigns to help your business thrive. Check them out at creativelydisruptive.com. You can also join the Gymnastics Marketing Facebook group. It's an absolutely free resource. And when I say resource, that is an understatement. There are countless resources within the group of helping business owners to support what they're doing, support what they've gone through and help them improve. So check out that Facebook group. This episode is also brought to you by Cornerstone Traveling Conventions. Bring the coach's education to you. Gym owners, you're going to love this. You can erase the costs of all travel expenses that you would normally incur sending your coaches to coaches education events. Instead, the convention comes to you and your coaches will be educated on everything from preschool to team and everything in between, as well as business tracks. If you're interested in bringing a cornerstone convention to you, you can send an email to cornerstoneconventionsgym.com 
G-Y-M at Gmail. Again, that's cornerstoneconventionsgym at gmail.com. Let them know you're interested and get your staff moving towards motivation and education. Actually, for the first one, (laughs) I'm going to leave the audio on just for a second because I want you to hear what the commentator says and then pause it. Tell me what the name of the show is, what makes you think. So when you hear what she says, tell me what it makes you think. Then I'm going to play the rest of the video with the sound off. It is of you performing. None of this is anything embarrassing, I promise. Uh, But if you can talk over your performance and just let us know, like, whether it was what was going through your mind during that routine or what does that make you think of as you watch it, whatever comes to mind. We are now watching Mohini compete at one of the events that doesn't happen anymore, Mixed Pairs. All right, so can you see this? First of all, the stats on the screen. Like, I see that now and I'm like, I can't believe we ever lived in a time where, like, they put the height and weight and hometown and these <laughs> young underage girls on TV. Like, did you realize they were doing that? Was that ever anything that was on your mind? You know what? I now that you pointed it out, I've never realized that they did that, and it, oh, yeah. you'd never get away with that at this point in time. <clears throat> oh, it's freaking weird! It's so weird. All right, I'm gonna put the volume up here just to hear. I think it's up. We talked about this competition being all about strategy. I'm a little surprised Mohini chose the balance beam. Just that. I'm. I'm surprised <laughs> balance beam. Do you think? Were you? Like, did you think that was a weird choice? Are you surprised that they were surprised? Um, no, no I, I think probably at the time, because we're talking about 1995, mm-hmm. um, I, at the time it was probably one of my stronger events as far as difficulty. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why I picked it. But we're talking about 1995 and I was 16, so I probably didn't even have a choice. My coach probably told me what I had to do. So that would probably be the real answer there. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right. So I got the sound off now. I forget about all the different skills I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that series. I, I always didn't like my dance. I was not a dancer. You didn't like what was given to you or you just didn't like doing it? I, I didn't like doing it. I don't think I like what was given to me. And that thing right here. Mm-hmm. Gaze of Pozart, that in like literally everybody's routine. I'm sure you can see it in Shannon Miller's routine more than a few times. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you did the uh, you did the side summit here. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think you do a side aerial in this routine, but you did in in the Olympics, right? In your comeback, I did. You did I did a front aerial. Um, you did um, a front aerial. You hurdle. You do a little hurdle into I, it. I do. I, I have a little bit of a hop. And like, was that, was that everything, anything that was ever discussed? Because you really, nobody really did that. Is that just, you're so powerful and that's what gave you power? Was that a technique thing? Like, was that even discussed? They may ever tell you you shouldn't do it, should do uh, it. N- no, it was, it was never discussed. And it's actually, it's actually interesting because with my athletes now, if they have a hard time going into like a front aerial, side aerial, I'll tell them to do the same thing. Um, kind of like tiny, tiny hop. It just helps give you more power. Well, you got to use what you, what you have, you know, and if you can't do it from a stand, then why not add a little hop? Yeah. I think hurdling in general, not that that was a hurdle that, like you said, it's just a little hop. Yeah. I think that that is, people are scared of that. I mean, think about in coaching, how long it takes to get kids to actually hurdle into their dismounts and not do like a fake one foot hop stop 
squat round off, like to actually use your power, which is what you're doing. Well, I, I did it because I didn't have the power. Um, and then the other thing with, with the hurdle is um, anything that you put before a skill can make you crooked. So it's so much easier going from a stand versus a hurdle, because if you do a hurdle, then you might drop your shoulder or mm -hmm. lift your hip or something like that. So going from a stand is a much better way to start off, off a skill, knowing that you're going to go straight. Well, I just liked it because it made you different. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. <laughs> That's one of your things though. There's no, there was no other Mohini. Like you, <laughs> you know, when you were, when you were doing it the first time, you were, you were kind of like the wild child, like you had piercings and you know, like you, you stood out for being your own person. Your gymnastics was freaking phenomenal, but from the get go, you were a little different. And I, I always appreciated that about you. And I, I think a lot of people did, especially being close to you in age. I was like, oh, she's cool. Like she, she doesn't, she doesn't just have her, you know, her hair in a bun and, and, and super straight laced. And it was just nice to see. Then in your adulthood doing your, your comeback, you were still you, but you were different because you were an adult doing it. And you were doing some crazy ass skills. Like in your intro, I actually introduced you by inventing one of the coolest bar skills ever. Till this day, it's still one of the coolest things. So you know, I think of you and I think of, of unique and outside the box. And so even little things like that, like you hurtled into on beam, like that's cool. I think when, I think when you're growing up, you spend so much of your life trying to fit in with everybody else. And mm -hmm. then I think you get to a certain age where you just want to be different, you know, and because of my name and, um, you know, I went to a private school nobody did gymnastics at my school. I, I felt like I was always trying to fit in when I was younger. And then I got to the point where, um, and I think this happens with most, most teenagers. As soon as you get like 13, 14, you just want to be different, you know? So I always hated my name. Um, and then I got to this point where I just, just embraced being, being different, you know, being like one of the only Indians doing gymnastics, having, having a weird name, you know, um, just all of it. I, I think when you get to a certain age, you really try to separate yourself from, from everybody else. Yeah. Um, and in, in the gymnastics world, that's just, um, you just, you didn't do that in, in the nineties, you know, you tried to be just exactly how USA gymnastics wanted you to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I mean, that was the beauty of, of working with Rita Brown and being with Wendy Bruce. And like, we were all, our whole team was just, was different. Um, and, and so was Wendy. And I think a lot of that just, um, brought it out in, in me, um, and made me embrace it. She mentioned, and I'm sure you heard it in the interview too, just, you know, her experience at Brown's and, and just feeling like she was appreciated as, as a person. Yes. They, they definitely let you be, um, your individual self. Yep. That's great. All right. You ready for another one? You just have yeah. two more. We are now watching the team selection announcement for the 2004 Olympic team. AKA one of the worst decisions made in television history. All right. So the team selection announcement. Yes. Couple things going on here. One, your dream came true right there. <laughs> so you want to talk about that first? That moment? About what? Just, just the moment of, of realizing you, you did it. Oh, um, Holy shit. <laughs> I guess it's, it's, 
is the word to say. Um, dream come true. Um, I, I think a lot of surprise for both, like Anya and I both roomed together and we both thought that it would be one or the other, not both of us. We um, all thought it would be one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So thankfully it was, it was, it was both of us. Um, but it just kind of like unbelievable. I can't believe I made it. So you really had no idea. This really was all, nobody had any idea. This was the first time everybody was hearing everything. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was just so stressful. Um, you know, finishing, finishing the meet and then going back to, to the room and, you know, just hanging out with everybody and talking and nobody knew. And we had no clue. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't really an inkling, um, that anybody knew of. How do you feel about the whole way that they did this? Obviously you ended up on the, you know, <laughs> great side of it, but how do you, do you look back at this and. Yeah. You know, it's really hard because I, I did, um, 96 Olympic trials. And so, um, 96 versus like 2004 were very different ways that they selected the team. Um, in 96, I, I think I missed the team by like 0. 0.075. I think I was three places down, but it was literally just the score at Olympic trials. And that was it, you know? So it was like how you did at that one meet on that one day, how you performed. Um, and then going into, I mean, I know it changed in 2000, but going into 2004, it was, it was very different. I actually liked the way they did it because it was like a compilation of a couple of meets. So it just wasn't one, one competition on one day, if you happen to do your best, you know? So I liked how they did that. Um, the, the selection part, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it was great. Um, the only thing that sucked about it was, I mean, it's just political. You don't know, you know, maybe they don't like your coach, you know, may, maybe like some, some of that stuff. So it, it's, it was really hard, you know? And then the other thing that was hard about it was you're constantly being watched, like, like literally they're making a decision and they're watching you for, you know, training camps for weeks and weeks and months before. So you don't know if you're going to do something or say something or have a bad practice. Um, and that might determine what, what ends up happening. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's two very different sides, sides of a coin, you know? Um, I, I do like, I don't know. I, f I feel like if, if they did it, based on meets, um, a series of meets, I feel like that would be better than a series of meets and then a, a personal decision. But, but I get it, you know, I mean, and then what it comes down to is, you know, you're, you're trying to accomplish this goal. You're trying to make the Olympic team. You just have to do whatever it is you need to do and whatever they want to do. You have to play the game to win. Um, and that's kind of, that's the way, that's the way it goes. When you, when they called your name, did you did you feel like you were set at that point or did you still feel like they could take it away at any, any time before the Olympics? No, I felt, I felt like I was set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was, I was definitely like, I knew that I had vault um, and yeah. I knew they needed vault, you know? So I knew I had something that they needed. Yeah. So I, I wasn't very much worried about it, you know? And then, then at that point, you know, after that time it was like, okay, I know I'm probably going to compete vault how many more events can I possibly like, it was, it was kind of a game. It was like, how many more events can I get up on? You know? Yeah. So 
Well, you were, you were an all arounder though, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you, you had, you know, one of the biggest Yurchenko doubles being done at the time. That wasn't all you had. You made event finals on floor. (laughs) Floor was my, my worst event is what, is what I was always told. Oh, so that was definitely rewarding because I was always told floor was my worst event because I wasn't a dancer. And then it was like, it was awesome closure to actually make floor finals in the Olympics. It was like, oh my gosh, what I thought I wasn't good at, I actually made finals for. So that was so cool. And you got you got your bar skill named after you, and you went yeah. up in team finals on on beam, which we're going to talk about in a second. So I, I don't want to go too far on that, but yeah, you're definitely an all arounder. One more thing about that team selection. What about the uh, the way in which it was broadcast? How do you feel about that in, in hindsight or, or maybe when it was happening? Um, you know, I, I'm on, I got what I wanted, you know, I was announced to the team. Um, so, so for me, I have no problem with it, but I, I think about those girls that weren't announced and, you know, being broadcasted live and, you know, the devastation it might be for them to be on, on TV is kind of sucks, you know, I mean, not, not necessarily the right thing to do. I I think it was all done for television. I mean, it was, it was good. um, It was good TV. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yep. It was, (laughs) this, this, I showed Chelsea, her interview actually aired today. I showed her the same clip too. And just, you know, just her, her views on it. And that's exactly what I said. It, it's good television in the crappy way that reality TV has exploited the human experience and <laughs> their kids. Like it'd be a little bit different if everybody was of age and adults. Yeah. And then they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. But 15 years old, 16 years old. And what are they going to say? No, I don't, I don't want to be on camera. Like you can't just that whole part of it is very, very frustrating. But on the other hand, it was very cool in those moments to see you get chosen and see your authentic reaction and kind of share that with you. Like that was, that was beautiful. That was something wonderful that came out of it. Yeah. Well, you showed that video and I like almost start crying again. (laughs) So. Of course. All right. And this is the last one. Okay. We are now watching Mohini compete on balance beam with no warm up. The 2004 Olympics. So, no warm up, a hard wash. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Take us through this. This is this is the Olympics. This is team finals balance beam. What happened? So basically, I was not supposed to do balance beam. Um, I knew that I might do balance beam, and here's what I'm pissed about: because when we were warming up for team finals, I asked Marta, I'm like should I warm up on beam? And she's like, no. And I knew that it might be a possibility that I would have to do beam. Um, but she didn't warm up. She didn't let me warm up. So I was actually pretty pissed. Um, but I did find out five minutes before, um, that I had to compete beam. Um, no warm up. I did warm up in, in the back gym, but it's not the same equipment. Um, I am so nervous right now. Um, because it's three up three count. So I know that if I don't hit this beam routine, then we might not get a medal or it might be my fault that we didn't get a medal. Um, when it's three up three count, you know, that any mistake that a person makes they're responsible for, you know? 
Um, so not worried about this series. Um, You're not worried about a casual was, one arm handspring layout layout? Like not worried about it? No, I, I did this series since I was, since I was like 10 years old. So, I mean, I was fine with it. Worried about the front aerial for sure. Um, and I actually made this connection. I didn't make that connection um, in team prelims. Um, side summy, not too worried about it. Um, I was more worried about my leaps and jumps because I was not a dancer, especially that tour jeté at the beginning. That's a hard thing to start uh, with. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can't see it, but I am shaking throughout this whole routine. Like I literally, I do not, I felt like I watched myself do this routine from above. <laughs> like it was literally an out of body experience. Um, and I talk to my athletes about this every single day. I'm trying to ignore the fact that I'm in the Olympics. I'm trying to ignore the people. I'm trying to ignore the shaking. Um, I'm trying to ignore the fact that maybe in my head I'm saying, what if I fall? What if I fall? What if I fall? I'm trying to push all that out. Um, and I'm literally thinking about every single skill as I do it. But I kid you not, I definitely thought about what if I fall two or three times in that routine. And then I had to be like, shut up, stop it. <laughs> you know, think about your skill. Um, it was so good. It, it was just, thank God I made it, you know? And I, I think like part of the reason why they put me up was you saw that side summy in 1995, you know, you saw that front tuck in 1995, you saw the layout layout, just not a one arm in 95. You saw that same double back, that same switch leap. Um, they put me up because they knew I would hit that routine. Um, I had so many numbers, um, since, since I was kid doing all those skills. And, and I'm not sure if you know this, but I did not fall on a single beam routine. Um, my life, I think my entire college, my entire college experience. I don't know that. Not surprised, but I, 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 I think I actually didn't fall on a beam routine from when I went into college till I retired. Um, I can't think of one that, that I, that I fell on. So I, I was solid. Um, I just, I didn't have the same level of difficulty as everybody else did on, on balance beam, you know, which is why I wasn't put in the lineup to begin with. So you knew, you knew technically on paper that you should be able to hit that routine, but that doesn't take away from the fact of being scared out of your mind and nervous. And we couldn't see it though. Like you. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody wants to compete balance beam at the Olympics, <laughs> you know, <laughs> unless you're like, a true, unless you're a true beam lover. And then especially you don't want to compete at an event. You're not like, you don't want to be responsible for that when it's three up three count because people can pick you apart and say, oh, because so-and-so fell, they didn't get a medal, you know? And that's a very devastating thing to put on one person, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you basically did angry beam. At the Olympics. I did. I did. <laughs> I, I did pissed off beam because I, I knew that it might happen. Um, but it, you know, it, it is what it is. That's total Marta saying. It is what it is. <laughs> it is, what it is. <laughs> uh, I actually used, I use that as an anecdote when I, when I coach athletes and we're talking about, you know, nerves and, and preparation and this and that. And I just talked to them about the importance of your training in the gym when it comes to competition, because when you go yeah, to a yeah. meet, like you're not warming up your skills to hit them. You're warming up to literally warm your body up and understand the equipment. You've already warmed up this routine like that. You shouldn't be learning anything at the meet. You shouldn't be, you don't need to do 500, 500 uh, repetitions. 
And then I use your example about Beam. Her warm up was standing in the corner going like this, with her eyes closed. That was her warm up. And then she went up and did a three up, three count Beam routine at the Olympics. Have you ever talked about that before? The fact that you actually said, Should I warm up? Like I might need to go. And, and she said, No. Um, my, my coach knows, um, Chris knows, but no, I, I haven't, I, I don't think I've told anybody that I know that I was severely pissed off about it because I, because I was like, why? Like, I, I just didn't get it. You know, some of the stuff that she did made no sense to me whatsoever. And, and as an adult, I think I saw, I saw a lot of it. Um, and as a younger kid, I don't, I don't think that, that people would notice that, but I, but I saw a lot of it as an, as an adult. So I didn't understand. I didn't understand why I was 25 and I had to ask to go to the bathroom, you know, like, or ask to go get a drink of water. Like it, 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 there was, you know, you just see everything from a complete different light as, as an adult. And I, and I wonder like often, like, I feel like Chelsea's so lucky right now because there's such a great platform, you know, um, in this, in this period of time. And so I often like, I follow her on um, Instagram and I often one often wonder like, what is her experience? Like, is it anything like what, what mine was like? Um, I, I think as you get older, you have a, you know, free thinking mind. You don't always want to fit yourself in a box and, you know, do exactly like you just question things a little bit more, you know, but she's on the other side too, because she does the judging thing. So, um, She's my absolute favorite at this point in time. <laughs> no. I don't blame you. Were you, speaking of, of Marta, were you surprised to be named captain of that team? The audience was um, not, not surprised at all, but were you? Um, the athletes voted. It had nothing to do with the coaches. Like that, that, that's the whole point of it, right? Is that it's kind of like a peer. Yeah. We, yeah, like who do we feel inspired by? Who do we feel like can can be our support? But really, who knows? You know, because you vote, and then Kathy Kelly and Marta look at the paper, so they can just say whoever they want. You know, who knows? I don't. I don't know. Marta, Marta actually liked me, um, and 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 I, and I don't know why. I think I I think it was because I was a pain in the ass, um, mm-hmm. and I and I think I also like. I didn't let her, I didn't let her have complete control. So I think like what, what happened was, um, we were at a training camp and all of a sudden Marta decided to have this meeting. Um, and you can, you can put this, um, on, you don't have to edit this unless you want to, but we were supposed to have a meeting. It was last minute. I was in the shower. Um, the trainer came in my room and told me we're having a meeting. I, so I got out of the shower. I showed up late to the meeting. And in front of the whole team and all the other coaches, she yelled at me for being late, you know? And then when the meeting was over, I went up to her and I told her, I was like, look, I am an adult. There's no reason why you need to yell at me in front of everybody else. If you have a problem with me showing up late, then you can talk to me like an adult separately, not in front of everybody else and embarrass me. And I swear ever since that moment, she had some sort of respect for me because she knew I wouldn't take any shit. So. Wow. <laughs> that's so fantastic and it shouldn't yeah. be such a big deal it shouldn't be like what's that it shouldn't be such no, a big it, deal but it, oh I'm so happy you did that that's yeah. great and you're and, a, and I feel like good at gymnastics so you know that didn't hurt 
Yeah. And I mean, like that was my, my plan with Chris. It was, it was basically, let's do every single thing we possibly can. Let's play the game and Mm -hmm. give them no, absolutely no reason to not take you. Um, that was kind of our game plan. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. I'm definitely keeping that in. that's, (laughs) That's one of the things, um, so, you know, before I do these interviews, I'm either, I've, I've either interviewed people that I, I already know. And so I can kind of like, you know, pull things from their personality to, to make the interview interesting. And if not, I call somebody that does know them. So I did talk to a few people. Christina Comforte was one of them. Val was another one. But the thing I consistently kept hearing was Mo tells it like it is. There was a, <laughs> there was a story and we can cut this if you want that Val told me about you're with a uh, Porta Carrero in a car mm-hmm. next to her and you guys were smoking and she said she got home and there was a voicemail on her answering machine and you're like, okay, so what's our punishment? Like there was no like dodging or anything. You were just like, Hey, you know, yeah, I, I screwed up. I know you saw me. You saw me see you or you, I, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they know that we know that she knows that we know, but yeah, yeah. You're, like, you're just a uh, kind of a no nonsense type of person. And then that right there really oh. shows it like, okay, bring it on. What are we doing? If, if I did it, I did it. And I have to take ownership of it. You know, there was, there was another instance, um, the end of the year at UCLA, like when we get to um, the postseason for regionals, nationals, all that stuff, um, pack tens, um, Everybody, the whole team would sit down and everybody would, we'd do a list of things that people wanted to give up, you know, for that, that period of time. And it would be like sugar, going to bed early, not drinking. And then everybody would sign, um, sign the the whiteboard for the contract. And I refused to sign it. Um, And there were teammates that were like literally in tears because I was like, I know I'm going to go out and still party. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sign this because I might go out, you know? So I, I didn't sign it. Um, people were upset. They were pissed off at me. And then I go to the bar that night and I see half my team that signed it, (laughs) you know? So it it was just like, I know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm, I'm just going to take ownership of, of what I do. And I think that's important for, for everybody. You screw up, you acknowledge it, and then you move forward. You know, but how's anybody going to take you seriously if you, if you don't do that? Nobody's going to believe what you're saying if you, if you don't hold up to your word. So that was always important to me. God, you must be an awesome parent. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I let my son get away with way too much stuff. <laughs> well, accountability is just, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's huge for kids too. Because if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, they'll just take advantage of you. So it's better just to to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. My athletes might be frightened of me because they know if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) We can't talk her out of it. We can't manipulate it. (laughs) All right. So before we, before we finish up, is there anything that you want to share about what you're doing? Do you want anybody to follow anything? Like what's, what's going on in your world? Um, you know, it's just dealing with the COVID. I think that's, that's pretty much it. And, um, I think, I think my son is probably the most important thing to me in the world and he's 11. So he's going into middle school next year. Um, he does not do gymnastics. I tried really, really hard. Um, he does boxing and baseball. 
And I, I think um, just basically he is my, my passion at this point in time. That's so, what, do you that's mind? It. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I said, do you mind sharing his name? Oh, his name's Tristan. Tristan. All right. So we'll give a shout out to he, Tristan. He was, yeah, he was, he was named after Brad Pitt, Legends of the Fall. Nice. So, so if you know that movie, you're my age. I'm sure you know that movie. Uh -huh. um, that's who he was named after. And I'd like to think he's just as handsome. Oh, I'm sure he is. He's probably even cooler. Um, my son is named after the drummer from Led Zeppelin. So my son's name is Bono. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and my daughter is named after a Toto song. Her name's Rosanna. <laughs> but it's kind of like Rosanna. a... Meet you all. See, you got me to sing. <laughs> oh, see, that was my plan the whole time. <laughs> but it's kind of like we we joke, especially with Bonham. Like that's how we're gonna gauge if he could be friends with certain kids. Like if their parents are cool enough to know where what his name is and where it came from, then like okay, you can hang out with that kid. It's working pretty well so far. <laughs> all right. Well, my last question for you is: When I say the word joy, what does that make you think of? Candy. Okay. <laughs> I love it. That was like your rapid fire thing, right? Joy, candy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What kind of candy? Um, Twizzlers. Please tell me red Twizzlers. Oh, no, 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 no black Twizzlers. Red. Okay, okay good, good. Red good. Twizzlers, red vines, any of those. Okay, good, good. All right, we're good then. You and I are okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope this was relatively enjoyable for you. And the nerves have gone. They've subsided. You survived. It was fun. Good. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This episode makes me think of that common phrase, I wish I knew then what I know now. And... Mohini had a very rare experience of being a part of the national team representing the U.S. and basically being a part of a system as both a minor and as an adult. And how as an adult, she was able to see through a different lens some of the hypocrisy and some of the unjustness and be able to actually speak up for herself. That anecdote she told about being late for a meeting because she didn't know there was going to be a meeting and she was in the shower and she marched right up to the national team coordinator at the time and said, hey, adult to adult, that's my paraphrasing, if you have a problem, let's talk about it. You don't need to yell at me in front of a group of people. It's, it's the absolute appropriate response to what had happened, but in her first time around, probably something that never would have happened. And had she had the strength, the self-confidence, but most importantly, the perspective and the lens at that age to speak up and say, hey, hold on a second. This isn't right. And I don't think that's disrespectful. There is a line, of course, um, when it comes to kids and teachers and athletes and coaches and minors and adults, where I know with my own kids, you know, when I call their name and they say, what? I ask them to repeat themselves and they say, yes, mama. 
that is a form of respect that I think is, is important. So going back to the coach athlete relationship, um, yeah, there has to be respect there. There has to be mutual respect. Mohini standing up for herself in that very small way, that very adult way, that very mature and sensible way is actually something that I think that we are starting to see now with the younger athletes. They are extremely hardworking, extremely disciplined, and extremely respectful. But they have the self-confidence and the empowerment and the freedom and the support to stand up when things are unjust, things are unfair, and say, hey, this isn't right. I'm not going to take it anymore. Just like Mohini showing us back in her Olympics that adult women can do this sport. It was a sort of foreshadowing of what's going on now. The average age of of a lot of the elite competitors now across the world is in their 20s. That's not rare anymore. That's normal. I think she was a foreshadowing of that. And I think her standing up for herself in that situation, I think that was some foreshadowing as well, don't you? I want to thank Mohini for her time, for her honesty, and I hope that you guys got as much out of that as I did. Very interesting to just get some deeper insight on on what was going on beyond the television screen. So thank you so much, Mohini. Thank you to all of you for listening. And if this is your first time listening, please make sure to subscribe and go back to those first episodes because there's some really good stuff in there. And please take the time to rate and review the show. Only takes a couple minutes, but it means so much and makes such a big difference. You can follow this show on Twitter at YouThinkPod. That's where I would love to hear any of your feedback, any guest requests, or basically just what you're thinking. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nicole Langevin Consultant. Until next time, keep thinking outside the box.